Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Launch with Tech Leaders. My name is Adam Oberhausen. I'm the Director of Cloud Architecture with Right Brain Networks, and I'm your host for today. Joining me today is software and data consultant Tom Kowalski. Say hi, Tom. Hello. And uh, yeah, Joe is absent today, so uh, just you and I, Tom, on the hosting side, but we've got uh, some of my colleagues from Right Brain to join us. Um, if you want to give a, a round of introductions uh, yeah, about looks... people, let's say hello. Yeah, looks like we got Ray back with us. Want to say hello? Hey there. Hey Ray. And, and uh, yeah. Um, Todd, go ahead and introduce yeah. yourself as well. Hey, Todd Meter. I'm an engineer at Right Brain. Thanks for joining us, Todd. And Kevin. Yep. Uh, Kevin Lucas, uh, architect at Right Brain. Great, uh, Phil. You wanna you wanna chime in, or are you just here to uh, to observe? I'll take that as a just observing. So, Sorry. Um, yeah, mostly observe. I haven't had a chance to use step functions myself, but I've heard a lot of good things about them. Right on. Um, so, Tom, we had last week off. Um, we're yes. back to it this week. Are you excited to talk about uh, step functions? I am. Yeah, I'd like to know more of the use cases. So, you know, I started using Lambda serverless you know, from the beginning, and there weren't step functions. So, I kind of had patterns and practices, you know, existing before step functions was introduced, and I haven't had a need yet to really use them. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear about others, others' use cases. Yeah, I'm in a similar wild. boat. I've used lots of serverless stuff, but never uh, tried out the step functions. So, um, let's start with the with the you know first question. And I'll, I'll I'll shoot it over to you, Ray. What are step functions? Can you help us answer that question? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, they're a fully managed service provided by AWS. Um, I really think of them as kind of a automation and orchestration tool. Uh, that allows for you to coordinate uh, steps between AWS services as well as other different workflows that you set up. Um, they enable you to build um, scalable distributed ap applications and workflows, uh, just like via JSON or using the Visualization Studio. Uh, I believe it's called the Workflow Studio uh, inside of the AWS console itself. Um, and yeah, it's 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 really an automation and orchestration tool overall. Okay. Yeah, I did a little bit of research. I guess they've been around like the step functions have been around since 2016. Um so they've been they've been in the market for a while. Um so I I, I think that a lot of organizations are using them. Um and that's kind of like when do you know um how do you know when you should be using a step function versus not? Um, I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I think in really any case, uh, when you're trying to build some sort of automated workflow, 
you can consider step functions. Um, they they provide a, a ton of benefits uh, that we'll probably get into a little bit here later. Um, but really when you want to provide a serverless um, workflow and orchestrate those steps, I would, I would lean towards using step functions. Um, I think Kevin can probably speak to this a little bit more as well um, if you want, but um, essentially it could be repla like a replacement for a Lambda. Uh, I, know, I know that we've talked a little bit back and forth about you know, us as contractors uh, providing a solution that maybe requires some sort of automation. And, and I used to um, lean towards just writing a Lambda. Um, you know, he kind of opened my eyes stating that you know, if you're providing a solution to another organization that maybe doesn't have a dedicated resource to manage that Lambda, um, you know, th there, there could be, uh, those could be deprecated in the future as you need to update your runtime and potentially, you know, the application code itself. And I, so, I, two things I kind of want to comment on there. Um, step functions have been around for a while, um, but it was in the last six months to a year, I believe. I don't know what is time. that. Um, actually received a major update makes them a lot more uh, useful um like they were things that we had looked at in the past but uh um the benefits they offer just wasn't really there uh, for use until this most recent update uh you know ray's talking about managing lambda and that's very much something i feel passionately about you know we work with a lot of different companies clients um, a lot of them don't have, you know, a lot of them are kind of migrating out of a data center. They're trying to update, uh, containerize, but maybe not, don't have resources really dedicated to managing Lambda. Um, and for a long time, uh, a lot of the functionality you would want, you still needed to write a Lambda for. Um, there were so only so many services that actually integrated with, uh, step functions. When you say replacing a Lambda, can you do like general programming, right? Like a general programming language or like how far can you go? Like what's what's the limit there? So, you, you, go ahead. No, go ahead. All right. I was going to say, I mean, it's not a programming language per se. It's more of just a logic flowchart. Um, so you can orchestrate interactions with AWS services and uh, it also provides um, some general uh, like if if and can or excuse me if else conditions um, retry conditions um, there are some there are some like um, ba basic logic like that incorporated into it but I mean if you wanted to do something more um, verbose with it you could you could write a lambda that is executed as a step within your state state function your your step function as well um, and you know use the outputs from that. Okay, yeah. so you wouldn't be able to do like maybe transforms, but you could do like logic flows of if this value is here, send it this way. If this value is like this, come in and send it that way. It, it depends. There are limited, you have limited transforming, uh, transform capabilities. Um, basically, okay. it, it, you could think of it as, yeah. describe it. it's like a flow chart. Uh, you can form conditionals. Um, loop back around previous actions that you've taken. Um, and each action has an input and an output. And you can use um, 
based on path, as well as some intrinsic functions provided by step function. Um, when uh, building the input or the output, so you can do things like building new objects or arrays or like counting the number of objects in an array or evaluating uh, the truthiness of a condition um, and adding that or using that to manipulate the output. Uh, although you are still somewhat limited, there are some things that uh, transforms, I don't want to say can't do, uh, but a lot of times there, you got to be creative to if you don't want to have to write custom code. Um, right. And uh, looking at their features page, it says that the step functions integrate with 220 AWS services and over 10,000 APIs. So that like is, that's the big expansion. Yeah. Um, back, you know, up until probably about a year ago, um, it probably supported maybe 10 to 15 AWS services that it integrated with. Um, and, and those pre-existing integrations were uh, really well uh, thought out. Um, you could do things like you could have your uh, state machine run a code build job. It would start the code build job and it would monitor it. And then you could get a report of like the result with all the artifacts and stuff when it was done. Um, then, you know, say you wanted to do, make some other decisions and call some unsupported service based on the result, uh, you'd have to write a Lambda for that, which then at that point defeats the purpose of just doing this in Lambda, because part of the reason I push for this is, again, it's uh, more sustainable in the long term and more universal. Um, but the big push that they had largely made it so you could use this with any kind of AWS service. The um, integrations aren't as fine-grained as like some of the original, more native ones, like the code build example I gave earlier. Um, you can now pretty much call any AWS API you want, but to get the same functionality that was provided by you could say the managed integration. You'd have to call like start build, and you'd have to set up a loop that uh, constantly calls for like get build status uh, and check to see if it's done. And if not, then loop back around to check or put in a sleep and loop back around to check build status. And then once build status is success or failed, then you'd have more conditions that describe the output and output the same amount of things. So. Or the previously provided like managed integrations um, kind of provided a whole like toolbox. Um, or just run code. Let me, let me ask you this then, Kevin. If you're going to start with a new, um, how, can you answer the question of when you should use the step function versus when you should just use like a, a lambda? Is it basically kind of like depending on the customer's? how comfortable they are with is the benefit of the step function that you have like a visual editor that is easy to comprehend versus like looking at a code in a like code in a lambda i'm still kind of confused like why um you know what uh i don't i would never say a visual editor is a reason to use 
technology. Yeah. I would say the benefit is more for sustainability. It's not about you don't want to look at code, but uh, like I say, it's a flowchart, and you can see visual representations of that flowchart. So you can very easily narrow down, hey, this run failed, and it failed on this node, and these were the inputs, these were the outputs, and this was the error that that node generated, uh, which yeah. can be a whole lot easier than like trying to figure out say you wrote a lambda function in java how many times is someone going to write that because they have a deadline to get and your output is going to be a null reference exception okay well what does that mean in the context because java that could mean literally anything um whereas here you know you get exactly this was the input um if as long as you're using like any of the managed not managed but any of the aws integrations provided um, you'll get, you'll see exactly what the error was that was returned, um, given input. Um, so it helps troubleshooting. You can see exactly where an error, where something failed. Um, and then, like I say, there is, you never have to worry about, as long as you don't put Lambda function in your step function, uh, you never have to worry about, um, is this runtime going to be deprecated? Do I need to up to date am i going to need to patch you know libraries and stuff um that are in use installing third-party oh. libraries in your lambda um for a company that does a lot of stuff with lambda anyway that's not really that's not really an issue um have just team members who manage their lambda um yeah, I can I can see that. What, yeah, and about, always, go ahead, Tom. Where I kind of find myself reaching for step functions is kind of a replacement for um, systems manager documents. If anybody's done a lot of work in those, mm -hmm. you can do a lot of the same things with, and it's a lot simpler to put them together. Yeah, system manager automations were something I pushed very heavily for a while for these <clears> same reasons because you couldn't do a lot of this stuff. With uh, functions, but then the update basically made them equivalent to systems manager documents. Only they run a lot faster. Uh, they provide a much better um, output, like the visibility into what's going on, and they're a lot a lot more um, customizable. Like step functions, you never loop. Um, you can kind of iterate, but you can only do that by running stuff in parallel and then hard to like rejoin everything that you split out. So, have um, you used these mostly more for like backend automation, uh, or have, have you also used it like in production, like customer facing applications? For our use case, a lot of it has been. Um, on the operation side, of course, for me, that's because I am an operation guy more than anything, um, especially when you get into things like um, express state machines. Uh, those are very much things that can be just kind of like, oh, it gets called as part of a customer, um, like a customer workflow. Yeah. That's Has... where we've seen a lot of the um, benefits have been thing for things like custom deploys. Uh, you could almost say that we're using it. Yeah, excuse me. 
as a replacement for code pipeline um, in that it can do a lot of, um, like I say, the branching logic and the ability to make decisions um, gives you a lot more flexibility. You can do things like, oh, I tried to update, you know, I'm doing a deploy. This was the version I'm trying to deploy. Uh, so I'm going to roll that out to, um, first I'm going to run this code build job to migrate the database. If like the customer doesn't have migrations built into the containers. And once that succeeds, I will update the ECS task or I'll update the task definition or I even just call it a code deploy job if you're that uh, to update task definition and get that how's the out. developer experience with that though like that's you know it's like another tool like do you integrate it with your your um you know your current CICD or is does that become your CICD um, uh what we tend to do in cases like this is um since it is just an AWS API call to start the execution you'd basically have your CI system so it would do the build, it would push the image, and then the actual deployment would just be it calling this uh, it machine with um, like the version it just built that you want to deploy. Okay. Um, and I find it to actually be a lot more flexible than a lot of the built-in, you know, um, deploy tools. Uh, one paradigm that we found works really well, uh, again, as a consulting company that works with a lot of companies um, is having basically we use CDK, but a lot of times um, we don't have clients who are just using CloudFormation or just using Terraform or anything like that. Um, you can basically have a step function that just, you know, at least for CloudFormation and CDK, those are both CloudFormation and Hood. Um, there's some tricks you can use that with SSM parameters or your version in that, and then use step functions to do the update. And then you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, how does how do we integrate our infrastructure repo with like our app repo? Because, you know, your infrastructure repo could have stuff that you want to make sure is well isolated from like things that the developers can call. Um, so you can basically give the individual apps permission to call this step function to do a deploy. They don't have to do a whole new CDK build because all that changed is a version. Um, okay. That gets has, pulled in with like CloudFormation parameters. Has anybody else used it for things outside of? Uh, yeah, I've got a, a different use case. Yeah, um, I had used, um, step functions uh, as a basically a, to kind of hold state on uh, like a process uh, with the IOT device. Um, so there would be, uh, there was a, I set up an API gateway uh, that would trigger a step function um, that would basically um, call in, uh, like it did a lot a number of checks and like made a like kind of like a, a lock like a locking like a five like a state lock uh to block 
block more processes from happening. Um, then it would kick off a Lambda. That Lambda was actually Swift code um, because we were using um, the same module that was in the iOS uh, application, just but we're, but we were running it as like a, we called it like a cloud client, um, and it did some you know processing and stuff like that. But it needed to send a message back to the device. We did that through MQTT, so we would publish something, and we would wait for a callback. And that we um, we use the uh, there's what is that thing um, where the step function can like pause and wait for external communication or like an external return. Um, the, and then, you know, the uh, the device would pick that message up off of MQTT, do some other things and then send a response. Um, and basically because that like, that pause and uh, wait for, wait for an external uh, process, uh, couldn't be used with the uh, Kevin. You just mentioned them. They're like the alt, the fast process, or the uh, the turbo ones, or something. Uh, the express step function. Express. Yeah, because you can't use that with express. Um, it just wasn't. It wasn't super performant. It was. Co it cost a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And so this process worked for us for. A while, um, but once we started to scale, um, I ended up rewriting it and just having our MQTT broker call the Lambda. Um, so with having something externally, like waiting for like a callback, does that service have to know like a specific, uh, you know, payload to send to? Yeah, you know, it, it has. So when you, when you say, hey, I'm going to go to an external process, um, step functions will give you a token which is kind of like the the state callback token. Um, so what was, how that worked is the first thing in my step function was to check and see if the payload had a task token. And that, and if it did, then I would just restart the, the I would send it. There was a Lambda that just kind of like kicked it back to the other step function. Okay, so, cause I'm thinking like, you know, I could call Twilio and then wait for just like a generic Twilio webhook to come back to this step yep. function, but you really couldn't do that because you'd have to have some layer that knows about the token, right? You can't yeah, just you'd have to there. have that task token and pass it back to the step function. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get back to your 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 state. Okay, that is one other big you know, question being asked: When do you? this outside of things like um, Lambda functions, a lot of it comes down to when you have long-running workflows, or maybe there is a manual step that's required, um, or if, you know, uh, what is the current Lambda timeout? Is it 15 minutes or an hour? 15 minutes. Um, yeah. You, you, lambdas are great, but, you know, you're if it's like waiting on something to complete, you're billing, being billed for that execution time while the Lambda waits. Um, and if it goes more than 15 minutes, you're just kind of, you're just kind of screwed, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah, whereas a step you... function can, I think, if you're not using an express step function, I think it can run for up to a month, uh, which a good example of that would be, um, again, you know, working with clients, 
sometimes, you know, we have clients who want to manage their own DNS systems that we don't have access to or need to do validation on SSL certificates, like um, ACM. They need to, like, someone needs to click an email or something. Another good case for that would be, um, you know, you need to wait for the external interaction. Uh, rather than needing to do the callback, you just kind of like keep checking to see is the certificate available, is the DNS record verified. So, that so can, can go you like on for a few days easily see these running ones? And because I've always used like SQS, right? If I have to wait for something, I fire off SQS with a delay on it, and then you know I come back and check after that delay or whatever. So, is this just like easier to see those? Like, can I see them in the console or something of things that are waiting? Yeah, you can see in the console, like it'll highlight what node you're on. You can see that it's kind of, it would basically enter into a loop of, you know, check the status. Uh, if status, if it's but, not available, wait 15 minutes. But can I see like instances running, right? Like, hey, this is, you know, this step function is running and waiting, right? Can I see like a list of those? You can, yeah, yeah you can go into the step function and then there's the execution IDs within there. If you okay. click into the execution ID, you can get a visual representation of, yeah, currently running, and you have you know useful colors like green, red, and blue, um, and yellow as well. So green meaning it's completed the step successfully. Red is generally the error in the in in the spe uh, the specific step that failed. Blue is what's currently executing, and I believe yellow is uh, past st uh, like stuff that has been passed um, and and not applied. Perhaps it's gray. Don't don't quote me oh. on that. But yeah, no, it yeah. sounds a lot better than just like looking at SQS queues. The other uh, nice so, thing yeah. is that you can see all the transitions um, in the lower portion of that of that execution ID. So you can like get into each transition and see how the data has um, how the, what your data is doing as it's running, essentially. Uh, and you can see the current inputs and outputs per step. Yeah, which I guess okay. kind of. By comparison to like SQS, you know, SQS, you're going to need something that picks up and reads from that queue to proceed. You're going to need to make sure that any information you're going to need downstream is ends up on that queue when it's finished. Whereas with the step function, where it's just kind of like you know, available, um, it still has, it still knows all of its previous state, and that state is bound to the specific execution running so you don't there's there's no ambiguity about like you know what is the previous state of this event that ended up on the queue either got to discover it or like passing that state around the whole time of like events that happen downstream okay so are you when you're making these are most of these kind of one-off or are you doing these you know infrastructure as code part of an application um, are you making them in the console or are you using the, the visual editor? What are you guys, what are you guys using? Find the visual oh, editor. Everybody kind of chimed in at the same everybody time. Everybody at once, please. Uh, we all really like the visual editor. Uh, it's really good for getting started. Uh, it's just kind of dragging and dropping things. Eventually, you probably have to descend into writing code, but it's a, it's a great tool for getting started. Does it make it easy to convert, right? Like start with the editor convert to yeah just, i know those yeah. things are always bad that do that you can but... just convert it to it you can switch back and forth right to the json i think 
Yeah, it'll show you in the console. It'll show you the the JSON for the for what you've designed in the visual editor. Okay. Just copy and paste that into your infrastructure's code, and you're basically done. So I think we're all all of us here who have used it pretty much follow the same workflow, which is build it using the visual editor, uh, and then take the result of that and uh, put it into infrastructure's code. Some other use cases, Tom, I think that are out there is um, using um, step functions for like a, a data pipeline or data processing, right? You know, you can yeah. step, step function to automate data processing workflows, such as your ETL pipelines and things like that. Um, Derek mentioned IoT. That seems like a, a really big one, but really strong use case uh, for step functions, IoT devices. Um, kind of goes hand in hand with data processing, but machine wor machine learning workflows. Um, so like uh, in terms of model training and development um, deployment, you know, you can you can leverage uh, these step functions. Uh, yeah, just, just a couple of things that research for the show. And then, you know, obvious things like batch processing. You know, there's other there's so many different things you can use for batch processing in AWS. But step functions are, you know, another another thing that could help with batch processing. And Kevin, I think, mentioned about how these can run for you know, up to a month, uh, whereas something like a, a Lambda, you have limitations with other services, but the step functions kind of give you that flexibility to for really, really long running things. Yeah, it seems like if there's like the built-in, like being able to use uh, general programming language, like cloud functions, right? Or um, the, you know, now you can do it in AppSync, you can use JavaScript. Uh, like if you could do that in the step functions, like almost completely eliminate the need for Lambda. Keep in mind, you can, as I think Ray mentioned earlier, uh, calling a Lambda can be a step. You can call a Lambda, give it any arbitrary input you want, and the Lambda's output will be the output of your step. But so, like you said, right, and all the things that go along with the Lambda, if I could just, you know, just write pure code, don't need access to disk or even networking, right, just to do some transforms, some heavier logic, that would eliminate, you know, 99% of my Lambda functions. I think the real thing is that these things can be used for any complex process that might require things running uh, at, mul at different times across multiple services. So maybe you need a code build job, and then you need to do a CloudFormation deploy, uh, and then run a Lambda to you know, do some custom logic or make a call out to a third party to update them. Uh, and the nice thing is that you know you have a lot of these we're talking about SQS, how there's probably some service running that's calling something, and then that puts an event on the queue, which triggers another Lambda. It's almost exactly like that, except rather than needing to like link up, you know, hey, I have this process, and over the course of this process, there are three different Lambdas that get um, called. Maybe it's custom logic, and you still need to have three different Lambdas called at three different times. but Using step functions and um, it, it links those together. You don't need to try and figure out. Okay, you don't need to trace. This was this was the lambda execution that was related to this event, and that later invoked this other lambda function. And now I got to link up those two, and that downstream called another lambda function. You can see all three of those lambda executions. They're all part of the same flowchart. You can get a direct link to that execution. You see the results of each of them. You don't got to try to link them up yourself. They're, they're already linked up for you. 
Yeah, it's always a pain like to get the tracing to work th- throughout everything. Um, but yeah, that uh, sounds nice. We're getting close to time, guys. I did want to touch on a few other things, um, which is um, some other tools out there outside of AWS. Um, I don't expect you guys to be familiar with these, but I want to just mention them in case people are listening and want to know what's outside of AWS. There's a tool called Apache Airflow, open source workflow tool that allows developers to create and manage complex work- workflows. You guys ever hear of that or work with that? Heard of it, oh. but haven't used it myself. My understanding is that it's for like data pipeline and ETL workflows? Yeah. Um, I don't know either. <laughs> uh, you got, and then you got on the Azure side, you got the Azure Logic apps, um, which it sounds like it's similar to Step Functions, um, allows you to automate complex workflows uh, and coordinate interactions between different services and APIs. Um, but it sounds like Azure, the Azure is more geared towards like business process automation. Um, Whereas the step functions in AWS are more focused on like data processing and distributed applications. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, I guess you could say label either one that way. The beauty of them is just that they really are that flexible. Uh, There's so many use cases. And then on the GCP Google cloud uh, side, we got Google cloud workflows. Um, Haven't looked at that. Um, Seems like they're all like every all the major cloud providers kind of seems like they have their own their own flavor of this uh, workflow automation. So wanted to mention those. Um, and then uh, what else? I did want to ask you guys, like, so how do you how do you do test automation with your step functions, or is it? Like, if, I could imagine like the scenario where you kind of have this, you know, uh, you've built out this somewhat complex uh, step function uh, state machine how do you how do you test all the different scenarios how do you auto, do you, is that an after, is is there automated testing techniques to ensure like you're covering all the paths as you develop these complex state machines i usually do end to end testing uh, i would love to get to the point to like do integration testing as well as uh, unit testing potentially for this but usually just Performing good end-to-end tests is what I've been doing. So providing real-world kind of like sample data as my inputs and testing all possible states within my within my workflow. Um, that's usually my process. Yeah, I don't know how you would be able to like since there isn't any actual code generally of its own that's part of the workflow. It's just like a, a JSON. Uh, chart uh almost a- any node depends on the outputs of the previous node so you can't really just test one node in a vacuum especially since usually you're just like making api calls or stuff to third-party services um it's really just are your outputs and your inputs right um, yeah yeah just wanted to see if you guys had thoughts around that so that's interesting to hear um, in terms of uh, resources for listeners who want to learn more about step functions, you've got uh, there's a great getting started tutorial uh, with AWS that a- AWS provides. There's the AWS Step Functions Workshop, uh, which is a series of labs and exercises that guide you through the process of building and deploying the the step functions. And um, 
there's also a good repository on GitHub called the AWS Step Functions Examples, um, which is uh, kind of a collection of sample workflows uh, that demonstrate all the, the use cases and scenarios for AWS Step Functions. So uh, yeah, on that, I want to thank everyone for uh, joining the show today. Uh, Kevin, Ray, great insights. Todd, Derek, you as well. And of course, Tom. Um, thank you, thank Adam. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, hope you have found the conversation informative and valuable. We're gonna, uh, we'd love to have everyone come back and join us next episode, where Ray is gonna host a conversation about GitHub Copilot. Nice. Looking forward to that. So, uh, take care, everyone. Uh, lunch is over. So get back to work. All right. <laughs>